on DND, so. DND. Do not disturb, sorry. Oh. What? Who says DND? There's a semisonic song. That was the follow up to closing time. A semisonic song, the following up to closing time, that's about do not disturb on your Apple phone. No, it's probably okay. about hotel rooms and stuff. But it's do not disturb, DND. No, I understand. Are we recording this gold? We are. Don't oh, worry. Hey, don't worry. Yeah, good. Don't worry. Uh, the people these, need to know. These bands are being recorded. Hey, I'm Liza. And I'm Mike. We're a married couple with too many DVDs. 1,321 to be exact. Look, physical media is great, but we definitely don't need 1,321 DVDs. No, we don't. So we started this podcast where every other week we choose two movies to watch and discuss. And when we're done, we can only keep one. This This is DVD DVD Deathmatch. Hello. 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 Hi. 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 How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, fantastic. Great. I'm ready to talk about cinema. Some movies. Home media. Let's do it. Yeah, we love to chat about movies. You're good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm tired, as always. Mm -hmm. But I'm tired for an actual reason, and that is, for the past three nights, we have had to go to Brooklyn. Now, for wonderful things. For wonderful things. Wonderful reasons. But Brooklyn is far from where we are, yeah. even though it sh- seems like it shouldn't be. It no, is it's far. far. It's and far. It, it's late nights. It's getting yeah. home. It's, it, but we're, because we, we went out to some shows. We, we did. We went out to celebrate some A birthdays. Birthday. It was great. Yeah, it was lots and lots of fun. We had an amazing dinner last night. Oh my God. I so was just good. describing it to a coworker. So good. Um, but yeah, we're very tired. Yeah. It's, we're not, we're also not. As per usual. We're also not that young anymore. So it what? was like. How dare you? It was literally you? like, we were at these shows Saturday and Sunday night. And, you know, there was a time when I could stand, and, and I still can, <laughs> when I can stand and like watch. You can still stand. Stand, a, that's good. A show for many hours. But it didn't, you know, it's like your, your back, your lower back. Your back. Your knees. All that stuff that's starting, it's like, oh, a a seated concert. How dare you say we're old? It's not like we have a child who's a decade old today. Oh my gosh. Oh wait. Yes, we do. Yeah. That's a weird mind, a mind F, if you will. Wow. (laughs) I'm so glad you censored yourself. Um, No, but our, our oldest kiddo, as we were recording this, turned 10 today. Turned 10 today. It's very weird. It's very weird. And many of her gifts have to do with a movie that we talked about on the pod. She is currently obsessed with the movie Little Shop of Horrors. Heard of it? We talked about it on episode 4040. So, yeah, you've heard of it. But she's obsessed with that. So she got like a Funko Pop and she got like some other stuff from Little Shop of Horrors. She loves it. Yeah. It's very funny. It's That's very her current funny. Her, obsession. Her birthday party theme is Little Shop of Horrors. Oh, yeah. You've been making an Audrey too out of yeah. like, like, we went to Home Depot. I went to a Home Depot, ladies what? and gentlemen. That's how much I love this child. Wow. But you've been really spending, you've been really crafting this thing. And we've got several Audrey 2s around the house now. Yeah. It's pretty great. Yeah. It's fun. Um, yeah, do we have any topics at the top? I don't, do you? Well, I have, I have a slight topic at the top. Where slight. So if you listen to our mini-sode uh, last week, which, I mean, you should be. If you're not, what are you doing? 
It's a mini sode. It's less commitment than this bullshit. Um, <laughs> Not but, that mini, though. <laughs> true. Um, but we talked about sequels. Um, and we had uh, some uh, a listener reach out. Uh, <laughs> Which listener? <laughs> Betsy. Betsy. Hey, Betsy. <laughs> um, and she said... Uh, when Castaway came out, we thought they should have done a sequel called Adrift of the same time frame from the Helen Hunt character's perspective. That's a good call. It's such a good call. And I love just like in general that concept of, of uh, again, I can't think of a single example. Sure. But you know those those movies where it's like, here's a plot line from this person's dispe- perspective and then... And then, yeah, and then the, the same amount of time, but from the other person. And it's like you see them cross over and yeah. in. Like they do that a lot on like Grey's Anatomy and stuff. Yeah. And I just, I love that kind of like plot device, I guess. Right. That like is what trope. what called. Yeah. Yeah. Like where like someone's in a cafe and then you hear someone go, I don't think so. And it's like completely <laughs> a non sequitur. And you're like, what was that? And then in the, in the second half of the movie, it's from... Cheryl's perspective and Cheryl. you, you see Cheryl and what led to her screaming I don't think so and you're like that was the thing <laughs> from, the the thing from the floor I love that I love Quentin that Quentin Tarantino made a whole pr- career out of that it's great <laughs> no I I uh, I also love that it's like it really satisfies I mean that's narrative fiction that's like it satisfies your lizard brain that's why there's like prequels because then you're like oh this is the thing that's going to become the thing i know exactly it's It's very like satisfying yeah exactly but i thought that was a really good one that's a great one i don't remember castaway super well except i remember the tooth thing oh the tooth thing and obviously like wilson Wilson, yeah yeah and i remember he like worked for fedex or something and so there was fedex all over it yeah and the i i think i could be wrong because i also don't remember it very well Mm -hmm. but i think i don't know it kind of sounds like you remember it pretty well (laughs) I think that his plane goes down while he's in the airplane bathroom. Oof. Which to me, like he goes in the bathroom and he's looking in the mirror or something. And that's when all of a sudden like all hell breaks loose on the plane. Uh. And I, whether it's true or not, I think about it every time I'm in an airplane bathroom. (laughs) As you would. Yeah. Anyway. As you would. Castaway made an impression. Great. I love that. Do you? Okay. Um, let's get going. Let's get into it, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, bro. Listen, you're not going to believe this, you guys. But uh, we what? watched... What am I not going to believe? We watched two movies. Oh, my God. We, we did watch two movies. We did. We watched Blast from the Past from 1999 and Secretary from 2002. We did. Yeah, let's let's kick it off with Blast from the Past. As I said, from 1999, directed by Hugh Wilson. Hugh. Our IMDb summary is, a naive man comes out into the world after spending 35 years in a nuclear fallout shelter. The end. It's a three-minute movie. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> that is a very... St- I mean, like... It's not incorrect, but it's not really getting at the meat of the plot, I don't right. think. It's also, it's like, it's a comedy. Like, right. that, that's yeah. something to know. Yeah, like, exactly. Um, yeah, this is a, this is a wild one. It is wild because it's so, okay, it's definitely in that category of used to uh, watch it a bunch, quoted it a bunch, specifically one line, which we will get to. But and then have not seen in at least a decade, if not longer. Yeah, I don't think I saw it 
like in its initial run. No. Um, it's interesting though that this movie came out in '99 because '99 is now cited as one of the is this like landmark year for movies. It's like really when, yeah. It's when um, is that like Scream and stuff? No, Scream. I think it was '96. It's when oh. <laughs> it's like Fight Club and Being John Malkovich and The Matrix oh. and Talented Mr. Ripley and like. Uh, Insider and Eyes Wide Shut. Did I say Eyes Wide Shut? Like, yeah. all these movies came out in 99 for some reason. So okay. it was just like a big, big weird, year for big, cinema. Big, weird year for movies. And also, it's also interesting. Sorry, to this is a non sequitur or like a, a tangent, a t- cul-de-sac. Uh, <laughs> other words. Uh, should I keep? Cul-de-sac. Cul-de-sac. Um, it's also funny to have been a 16-year-old um, obsessed with movies in 1999 mm-hmm. because you're like, oh, every year is like this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I like great movies do come out every year, mm-hmm. but it's funny that like it that was like a year where the big like there were so many yeah insanely big and also insanely great movies. Anyway, Election came out. Election. Bringing out the dead, which I think is a very underrated Martin Scorsese movie. Anyway, okay. This came out in 99, though. It did. And it got lost in the shuffle for old Mike P. Yeah, I don't think I saw it. I feel like you showed it to me. Really? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't I don't know, but maybe. It's very possible. I have no idea how we saw it. I don't it. think I came to Blast from the Past of my own volition. Why do we own it? Because it was one of those movies that we quoted all the time. Right. You know what I mean? Specifically like, one line. Yes. Um, we're um, also in the middle. So, okay. So, let's set the table on Blast from the Past. Okay. It's a big, crazy, high-concept comedy. Yes. Which, it reminded me, because I just watched Galaxy Quest for the first time, mm. which might have been 99 also, I can't remember, but it felt very Galaxy Quest to me, like, the kind of comedy that doesn't super get made a ton anymore, like yeah. a big... High-concept. High-concept yeah. comedy, like, um, and the concept is Brendan Fraser, or sorry, uh, let's start with Sissy Spacek and Christopher Walken, a yeah. couple in the 1960s, he's like a mad scientist type. Yeah. He gets... Scared by the Cuban Missile Crisis mm-hmm. and uh, by specifically like a plane crash that happens in their yard when, well, I'm mixing up the chronology here, but they go down. <laughs> they he's invented this huge bomb shelter for them where they can live for f- decades. Yeah, and then they go down to like take a look at it or something, and a plane crashes in their yard, and he thinks it's the well, no, it's like he th- he hears on the radio that it's coming. Right, right. The, the big thing is coming, the and they're thing. in the middle of a dinner party. And he kicks everybody out. And he kicks everybody out, and they run to their shelter, and Sissy Spacek is like, well, I'm not wasting this pot roast, so she's got, like, a huge, like, Dutch oven that she's carrying with right. her. And then they go down into the shelter, and a plane crashes into their house. Right, at this exact moment. At this exact moment. And as they go down into it, he accidentally, like, hits the locks, and the locks are set to stay locked. For 35 years. Right. Um, and so then while they're... This is all in the prologue, by the way. Yeah. This is all like... This is like a 20-minute setup for this movie. Which yeah. Is, and they really took some care with it. Like, there's lots of stuff happening. Yeah. And they actually... And the thing that I really like about the prologue, honestly, is that they cover the bases of, like, well, how... Like, this is... Again, we've said it, like, eight times, but it's high concept, so it's, like, uh, dancing on the edge of absurd. Yeah. But like they really do answer the questions that that I that obnoxious people like me would be like, well, what about this? Because yeah, there's a lot. So of they're that. in this fallout shelter. She's pregnant as they go down there, by the way, and 
Um, then you see, then you see this like parallel timeline of like them living in the fallout shelter and like giving birth and like they have this kid and how they're teaching him and they're teaching him to dance and teaching him all these like very like, you know, family values type stuff, very like sixties, you know, whatever. And then up above them is their you know, bulldozing the house. Like, oh, they must have perished in this awful accident. Mm -hmm. Bulldozing the house. They come across, the construction people come across the entrance to the shelter as they're trying to lay concrete for something. And you see them have this conversation of like, well, what is this? Well, I'm not opening it. What if it's a gas line? Well, I'm not bothering with it. Let's Let's just, let's just pave over it. Right. And it's just like, so, and I just like love that weirdly where it's just like, yeah, I I think there's a lot of thought that goes into, especially the beginning of this movie. Yeah, exactly. the, The setting up the concept, setting up the characters. I mean, you spend the first 15 minutes with like the main characters are Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek. And, yeah. and it's like, you think, Oh, this movie's about them. It's not, it's not, they have this kid, kid grows up, Brendan Fraser. Yeah. It's 35 years later. He comes up in 1999. Mm-hmm. Uh, once the locks open and his father has had a cardiac event of some kind. Yeah. And so he's going to go find medicine and then he gets up and it's like fish out of water he was raised not only in the 60s, but also by, like, very kind of traditional values, but not conservative, I would say. It's yeah. Weird. But it's a weird line that it effectively dances. Yeah. But there's, like, and then there's also this element of, um, what is it? What's the word that they say? And then they're like, oh, it's French. Because they don't curse in front of him. Um... Is it just shit? It's shit. Yeah. yeah. They just say shit. And then like, and then like, cause his father goes up first. Right. Oh, right. And, he, and like, like accent and like, it's horrible out there. Like, you know, it's, it's LA in 1999. So right. it's like, whatever. It's a quote unquote bad neighborhood. Right. Exactly. And he like wanders into like a porn shop or something. And so as his son is venturing out to get them supplies and medicine or whatever, so that they can stay down there again for another 10 years or right. whatever. Uh, he says, if you see, like, adult bookstore, don't go in there. There's poisonous gas. Right. You know? And then that's a running joke through the thing is that whenever he sees the porn store or a porn store, yeah. he yells that there's poison. And poisonous gas, run! Yeah. It's just, so then you've got Brendan Fraser, and this is Brendan Fraser, 1999. We're in the middle of the Fraser assance right now. <laughs> but this is, like, him, height of his 1999 powers. Sure. Pre-The Mummy? Pre-The Mummy? Definitely pre-The Mummy. Yeah. Um, post-school ties, pre-The Mummy. This is how I measure time. Yes. <laughs> I think we all do. Um, but BFT, Brenda Fraser time. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's essentially, I mean, it's, this is big or elf. It's a yes, little kid yes. in a grown man's body. Yeah. And walking around going like, oh. Oh my God, it's oh. also, like he's never seen the sky before. Well, that part, when he first sees the sky, is like emotional. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, wow. And he does such a good job and he's such a good actor. Yeah, he's really great in this. Like he is. really, 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 really great. Yeah, and then um, so all the comedy is him as a sheltered nice man from the 60s mm-hmm. uh in like encountering modern day 1999 LA right and then also it's it's you know a romantic comedy he wants to meet a girl that he can bring home that right. he can marry um and he you know in his adventures runs into Alicia Silverstone basically right. who's like a real tell it like it is baseball sassy. card store employee yeah <laughs> like that's her thing um and you know they kind of you know it's a romantic comedy you get it you see what happens there but um 
it's like it's 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 a weird one. I wrote my one of my first notes was like, oh, I forgot Christopher Walken was in this. And then my second note is, I also fully forgot what the plot of this film was until just the second. <laughs> like, and we started watching it, and I was like, I have no idea what this is about. Oh, wow. And then it started, and I was like, right. right like, I had this. fully forgotten. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, like, so starting with, it's it's a, you said it's a weird one. And it is yeah. a weird one because it could so easily be kind of mean mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yes. Um. Christopher Walken and also Christopher Walken comes up first as like the scouting party mm-hmm. and he encounters like bad neighborhood LA. Right. Including like a a trans sex worker. Or, right. And and but it's like and yes, the joke is that like he but it feels like the joke's on him. Yes. In that, in that exactly. scene. Exactly. I was I, I was because like, he's he gets he gets freaked out by it and runs back to his shelter and is like, it's awful out there. They're multisexual yeah. and they're like all this stuff. But the joke never feels like it's on it's that. It's on yeah, yeah that exactly, person. exactly. So, I wrote like it's an interesting approach to trends because you're bracing for the, the, worst. the 90s of it all. Yeah. Right? Um, and then I was like, huh, I don't think that was bad. I feel like that was actually a really uh, sensitive way to treat that in a weird way. To it like, felt weirdly sweet. Right. And, and it is it is the joke. But like you said, the joke's on the Christopher Walken no, character. I, I, that's exactly, like, I wrote down obviously the joke is that there are trans sex workers. Right. Like, and so he can't handle that. But the joke is he can't handle that. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? The joke feels like it's on him and he's getting it all wrong. Right. And it, I really like admired that part of it, even though, and then in the next shot, there's just like Hispanic gang members yeah. like waving a gun out the car window and you're like, okay, there's oh, still work to do. Okay. Work to still do. work to do. But, but it was, it did feel like the movie was, is, is very sweet, much like its main characters, even though it has some, it has to have like the whole point is that there's some edge to it. Cause right. they have to encounter this. And then the line, cause this I think ties in with the, you know, I, as I said, an interesting approach to, to trans, um, the line that we quoted all the time yeah. was he's walking down the street. Brendan Fraser. Yes, yeah. Brendan Fraser's walking down. She's he's just marveled at the sky. First time he, he's ever seen this guy. Yeah, and he turns and he's walking down the street, and uh, a male woman is approaching him, and he says, "Oh my lucky stars, a Negro!" And then like sticks out his hand. He's like, "Nice to meet you, ma'am." Yeah. And she's like, "What the fuck? Okay, yeah. have a good day." And it's like, and so we would. <laughs> All the time. Oh, my lucky stars. A Negro. I never said it. I don't know what you're talking That's about. That's untrue. But, I never once. And it's like, and I was, and again, I was bracing for the 90s of it all. And then I was like, it's kind of sweet, though. <laughs> <laughs> both like, both like the way that he's selling it. Right. You know what I mean? And then in this way where it's where it's literally like, yeah, he's never seen this guy before. He's never seen a black person before. Right. And he's fucking delighted by it all. Right. And then also in the way that she reacts, I'm just kind of like, okay, man. Right. <laughs> all exactly. right, cool. Yeah. You know? And she's, she's definitely like, what is wrong with you? But also is not like, I don't know. It's hard to explain where it's like, it feels okay. Even though you're like bracing for the bad. Yeah. I feel like it feels okay <laughs> because it's okay because yeah. it's fun and sweet. And like, yeah, there's an anachronism to saying that word mm-hmm. that, was 
more, I, I mean, I can't speak for anybody, but it seems like it was more of like accepted terminology in the 60s. Sure, yeah. And isn't now, and that's all good too. And like, but it just, it's like, it, it no one is the butt of the joke except for like, Brendan Fraser. Right. And well, and he's and, game to, he's such a game performer in this. And right. And not to go like too deep with it, but like the takeaway there is that his parents taught him that black people were people too. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> like that's the takeaway, totally. you know, which is, uh, you know, bare minimum, but yeah. there it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. My next note says, uh, Alicia's hair is upsetting. Yeah, so Alicia Silverstone, we haven't <laughs> talked about too much. So we, this is after Clueless, a few years after Clueless. Yep. This is at maybe the same year as Batman and Robin, when mm, she was Batgirl. Maybe, yeah, yeah. She's, I mean, this is height of Alicia Silverstone's powers, for sure. True. And she's, I think she's really good in this. I think she's pretty great, yeah. yeah. She's very, it's very Alicia Silverstone. It's very, like, it's. it feels, it feels like the same thing as clueless yeah yeah like it doesn't feel like extraordinary no, disappear but, into some other character right exactly like but it is like fun and and this character is different but it is like yeah. it you can tell it's her which is a weird <laughs> yeah. thing to say yeah. but you know what i mean yeah but her hair so that we're talking 90s and if you don't know this thing where you like curl your hair with a curling iron and then like rake your fingers through it to loosen up the curls so that you don't look like a poodle. Okay. That is a new concept. And in the nineties, they did not do that. So she spends most of this film with like, I've curled my hair with a curl. I've sprayed my hair down with hairspray and wrapped it around a hot curling iron, taken the curling iron out. And that's it. Look at this perfectly natural ringlet in my hair. And it looks so bad. And it's, distracting. It is. Once you pointed it out and like, it looks like an American girl doll or something. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so strange, but I guess again, I guess it's just like the nineties. Yeah. Um, um, it's so I would say cards on the table cards for how I feel about this movie. Put them on the table. Watching it. I really liked it for most of it. And then in like the second half, uh, huh. It felt really long. Yes. You had Dave Foley introduced as the gay best friend of Alicia Silverstone, which yeah. was like, he does a fine job. It's not that bad a character. It's not as, stereo- again, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. Right. And he's like a, but he is the gay best friend. Right. And he's, it is a straight guy playing it. And yes. it, is, it was just like a bunch of stuff that, that is fine, but is like, it's not, right, it's not, not like, the funnest. okay, girlfriend, but right. it is like very close to yeah, that. It's not the funnest to watch. He does a great job with it. Yes. His hair is also distracting. <laughs> he does like an Eddie Munster haircut. Uh-huh. Um, but apart from him, like the movie just gets long yeah. with the dating part and the like Brendan Fraser and Alicia Silverstone breaking up and getting back together and all this, you know what I mean? It just yeah. feels like it, it could be 20 minutes shorter. Yeah. And not lose a dang thing. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. For sure. Because it, they're like Dave Foley's character is in so much of this movie, but only starting at about 45 minutes in. Right. Like exactly. It, it feels like it just turns into a different movie. The first 15 minutes is Christopher Walken and Sissy Spacek. Sissy, Sissy Spacek, by the way, we haven't talked about. No. Very fun to watch her do like oh a big, gosh. broad comedy thing. Yes. Because she's, her character is like, uh, is kind of self-medicating with alcohol. Yeah, a little <laughs> in bit. In order to get through 35 years in a bomb shelter. And yeah. then is like, 
you know, when he's, when Brendan Fraser's going up, she's like giving him money and be like liquor store. There's something called a liquor store. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. And again, that, even that is treated in a, in a weirdly sensitive way. Like she's not like a stereotypical drunk mom, but she is like, like there's a moment where like, I think Christopher Watkins, like the dad is like, oh, we're going to stay, we're going to stay down here or something. Or what if we don't leave or whatever? And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Excuse me. And she like goes into another part of the fallout shelter and just screams. And it's just like, you know, again, that portrayal of someone who's self-medicating with alcohol could be done in a way that is bad and feels bad. And this feels funny and safe and wholesome. Like that's my overall note. It feels so wholesome yeah. in well, a weird she's, way. She's like a fully fleshed out character. character as someone yeah. who fucking hates this. And yeah. Is like, is and it's like, like trying to smile through it because that's what you did in the sixties. Right. And, and has, yeah, exactly. Has different wants and needs from her husband who she still loves, but is also like, I am going to lose it. Yeah. And you know, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Um, it, so the second half feels like a different movie. Cause you've got the first 15 minutes with those two. Then you've got Brendan Frazier, like his journey of discovery. And then you've got the dating stuff. And I think that first half I think is gold. And the second half is like, okay, okay, sure. Let's wrap it up. Yeah, guys. exactly. Wrap I felt up. a little wrap it up about it. Yeah. Um, Nathan Fillion is in it. Nathan Fillion is in it as, as like a bad, bad ex-boyfriend. Yeah, exactly. That's weird. That was weird to see. Um, I don't know. It has it has a real '90s soundtrack. Like it feels like there's like Everclear and Squirrel Night Zipper. Yeah, it's like feels like a big '90s high concept comedy. Yeah, like it fe- has the texture of that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, it works. It, it does works, work weirdly. I, I feel like I feel like is there more to like it feels this, like yeah it doesn't feel like there's a lot to say but it. it's fucking blast from the past right I don't know. it's like fun it's a fun film and it's like it's definitely I feel like if you haven't ever seen it I would recommend it especially if you're like a '90s kid and yeah. like you know it'll make you feel real like nostalgic for not only like the music and the costumes and the hair and all that other stuff but also just the feel of the movie it feels very 90s as you said yeah. so it's like if you haven't seen it i recommend for sure yeah. seeing it but uh but uh, but it's also i'm not i'm not like oh my god it's so amazing you have to no, see it like it's, it's just not, like very yeah. fun it's very fun there's a really good runner in it where christopher walken that i feel like didn't pay off very well, uh-huh. but Christopher Walken is explaining to his son the rules of baseball oh, as he's raising yeah. him in this fallout shelter. Yeah, and the son is just like, "What? I don't get this it." Doesn't, and then, and then, as like the joke is, as Christopher Walken explains it, it seems to get like further away from making any sense. You know? <laughs> yeah, and you're like, "Yeah, this doesn't make any sense." <laughs> I loved that. Why does he run? Because he has to. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then the uh, one part that I wrote down that I thought was really funny was like the that is very nineties. Uh huh. The part of the movie where Alicia Silverstone, like, starts to realize how attracted she is to Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. And how, like, fucking, what a smoke show he is. <laughs> is when he's on the dance floor dancing to Mr. Zoot Suit, some song, <laughs> and, like, doing, what is this move? Because they can't see. What is this move? He's like. Oh, it's like. like a Lindy Hop da, thing. Da, da. It's, oh, my God. What is that called? I'm pointing in the air and shaking my shaking finger. Shaking my, it feels racist. <laughs> Oh, oh no. No, I'm not doing that. I'm no, not no, doing no. No, but it feels like um oh goodness gracious. Yeah, I can't you want I, to look it up? Yeah, look it up cuz I feel like popular Okay, okay. Okay. okay we okay. looked it, we looked it up. It's called Truckin', which is part of 
uh, a dance called the Big Apple. Um, and it says, Trucking is a shuffle step variation popularized after the vaudeville era. The right hand is held up. I'm doing it. With the index finger extended and wagging. In Harlem trucking, the shoulder is set back, feet are parallel at all times, blah, blah, blah. It's describing how to do it, but that's yeah, that's what it that's is. That's what Brennan Frazier's doing, at dancing to like 90s swing music. <laughs> and Alicia Silverstone is like, oh, oh he's so hot. So hot. Oh and my like God. the scene started, I was like, oh my God, remember the chokehold that fucking swing dance music had on us I, in the 90s? <laughs> I, I do. I do. Swing I mean, kids? I, oh, man. I, like, I have to re. We're going to watch Swingers at some point on this podcast because <laughs> yeah. that was, like, that was a formative movie for me. <laughs> and I have not watched it in 20 years. But oh, I, boy. But in high school and, like, early college, I was like, yeah, this is the best movie that's ever been made. <laughs> it's called Swingers with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau. Uh-huh. And uh, no movie will ever be better. Yeah, so, yeah true. Um, and it, I look forward to watching it again. Can't wait. All right. Um, so yeah, so the, the, the consensus on Blast from the Past, sure. A mild wreck. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's, there's so many funny moments. He's great. The part where Perry Como comes on the radio <laughs> and Brendan Fraser just goes, I could die. <laughs> is so funny. So there's enough to recommend it. Yes. Yes. Brendan Fraser is super fun to watch. Alicia Silverstone is super fun to watch. It's all fun to watch. Okay. Awesome. There's your recommendation. Uh, question for you, though. Is it available? You can watch Blast from the Past right now on Hulu. Hulu. We know that one. Yep. Love to see it. Hey, you. Hey, you. What's the connection? All right. This was, like, weirdly difficult for some reason. Yeah. In a way where I'm, like, sure there's something that I'm missing mm. um, that's an obvious one. But the only connection I could find, and I was rushing, so I'm sure there's, again, was <laughs> Brendan Fraser, aforementioned. Yes. Starred with Jeremy Davies, who plays the kind of drip of a boyfriend in Secretary. Yes. And was also in Ravenous. Remember Ravenous? I do remember Ravenous, and I do remember him in Ravenous. Yeah. And I remember thinking, hey, that's the guy from Secretary. Yeah, exactly. Um, they starred in a 2015 History Channel miniseries <laughs> called Texas Rising. Great. If you had to pick one actor who you would guess would be the star of Texas Rising, just like off the top of your head, just like vibe. You can cut this out if it doesn't make sense. Shatner? No, that's funny though. <laughs> uh, Bill Paxton. Oh, I see. <laughs> just feels like a very like I'm starring in a History Channel like uh, Texas I see. miniseries. I see that makes sense. <laughs> Bill Paxton, the God, we miss you every day. We miss you. Um, that sounded sarcastic. I didn't mean it. I really do respect his I, work. I know. Great. I know. All right. <laughs> um, our next movie is Secretary from 2002, directed by Stephen Shaneberg. IMDb summary. A young woman recently released from a mental hospital gets a job as a secretary to a demanding lawyer where their employer-employee relationship turns into a sexual, sadomasochistic one. 
That's a pretty good summary, I'd say. Pretty actually. good summary. Straightforward. Accurate. Now, before we dive in here, okay, I do want to issue a trigger warning at the top of this section of the podcast because, we, as we just said, we'll be discussing secretary, which does have mentions of self harm and kind of mental health and all that other stuff. Uh, so that is, you know, trigger warning for that. Definitely. You know, if you need to skip that. We love you, and that's wonderful. And we'll see you um, next week. We'll see you next week. The other less serious trigger warning that I want to mention is to my family, because it's a sexy movie, so I'm going to be talking about sexy stuff. There you go. There it is. There you go. <laughs> um, love it. Yeah, secretary. So um, here's the thing about secretary. It was absolutely my introduction to the concept of kink. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, I, uh, which is interesting for a lot of reasons. Yeah, I bet it served that function for a lot of people. Cause it was, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, I'm probably not alone at this point in my life. I had been having sex, <laughs> right? but, uh, but, uh, this was definitely the first time it was like, and I knew what kink was and I knew that sure. like there were, you know, Whatever. Ooh, kinky. Right, exactly. Exactly. But this movie was definitely my first kind of uh, encounter with exactly what it was. Yeah. Um, And I feel like it's not a bad introduction. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think so. Um, So, again, and I almost don't want to spoil too much of Secretary. Yeah. So... Like, I mean, I feel like the IMDb summary, too, was, like, really, really good. Yeah. So, the young woman is played by Maggie Gyllenhaal. Right. Um, the first thing I saw her in, for sure, because at that point I hadn't seen Darko. Da- yeah, exactly. The first thing I think I saw her in was Donnie Darko. But yeah. And this, it was like, oh, that's the sister from Donnie Darko. Yeah. Um, and... That's the sister from the Gyllenhaal family. Yeah, that's the sister from the Jake. Um, and uh, the lawyer is... Uh, James Spader. Right, right. I was like, what's his name? You um, said that, and I was like, lawyer? There's a lawyer in this movie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, paralegal. What's right. a paralegal? <laughs> James Spader. Yeah. He's a, he's a, what a, what a vibe. What a lovely little weirdo. Right, exactly. What a lovely little weirdo. He is, in my opinion, perfection for this role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, just, like, I, to to the point where I cannot think of anyone else playing it. Right. My introduction to James Spader uh-huh. was the 1994 movie Stargate. You ever oh, see Stargate? I don't think it's so. It's him and Kurt Russell, and he's a scientist, and he's got shaggy hair and big glasses, and I was like, that's me. And then <laughs> <laughs> he's a nerd. And then He's got glasses. Right, he's a nerd. Exactly. And then Kurt Russell's the military guy, and they open up a a wet hole that goes to, uh, is it called a wet hole? No, it's, oh. it's just like, it's a portal, but it's all watery. That's all I'm, I'm okay. Gonna, sorry. <laughs> Trigger warning for the word wet hole. Um, oh the, but anyway, uh, and it takes them to like another planet that has its own ancient Egypt. It's baffling as a movie, but it, when it came out, it was like, "Oh, this is my Star Wars. This is like the best movie I've ever seen." Yikes. I love Stargate so much. Um, I haven't seen it in twenty five years. Um, but James Spader, and then a little older, I watched him in Sex Lies and Videotape, which was like this huge 
indie movie in the 90s, Soderbergh. Yeah. And he's I've never seen it. I mean, I know, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Fucking sex weirdo in that one, too. And then he's in this, and then he's in... Um, Typecast. Crash, I think, which is the David oh, Cronenberg. Yeah. Not the Not the... Race crash. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's another crash that's the David Cronenberg movie about people who, like, um, I've never seen it. I'm going to butcher the what it's about, but it's about people who, like, have sex with cars or who have sex in car accidents or something. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Jesus. So, James Fader, what a guy. What a guy. I love him. Yeah. No, I can't he's, get enough. He's, I mean, both of them are incredible in this film. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, Okay. how do we approach this so the thing i want to say is that i that watching it this time and and also at the time like watching it back in the 2000s um it feels like a really good portrayal of kink in general you've so the thing you're inevitably going to compare it with is 50 shades of gray right right and this is way pre 50 shades of gray pre 50 shades of gray fun fact fun weird fact the lawyer that James Spader plays, his name is Edward Gray. Right. And in Fifty Shades of Gray, it's because his name is Christian Gray. Right. right. The main character. Right. And also Fifty Shades of Gray started out as fan fiction of Twilight. Right. Where the vampire's name is Edward. <gasps> <laughs> You're like, the vampire's name is... I was like, what? <laughs> what is, what is it? it? What is it? Um, so I saw that on the little sign and I was like, oh my God. Right. But whereas Fifty Shades of Grey is, uh, I think, pretty well known for being a very poor representation of um, the S&M kink. Yeah. Uh, this feels to me like a pretty okay portrayal and introduction for little Liza into what kink is, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so... The place where it gets iffy is the problematic wise. Yeah. The potential connection to um, self-harm and daddy issues. Right. So this this character Maggie Gyllenhaal plays. She we start the movie and she's she's uh, come out of a mental hospital because she uh, uh, is a cutter. Right. Um, And. You get to see a lot of the th- and and the thing about that too. Sorry, I'm all over the place. I'm disorganized, but this, I also think it's actually a pretty good portrayal of self harm in a in a yeah. in a rough way. Like it's not fun that no, part of I, it. I but it's not, it's not it shouldn't be fun, and I fully agree that I think that part of it is really interesting. It's like I don't know enough, honestly, and I'm not saying I really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can believe it, that I don't know something. It's not what I meant. <laughs> Um, I don't know enough to be, to say like that the link that it draws between self-harm and BDSM kink Mm -hmm. is, is always, is like, whether that's problematic or not, I have no idea. Exactly. Exactly. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't think that the movie is necessarily doing something problematic other than just linking it with, uh, someone who self-harms is then also... Someone who is into sadomasochism, sadomasochism, right? She finds which like is freedom not in pain, kind of right, which is not necessarily true. Um, but again, it's a it's it's uh, as as someone who who uh, uh, studied this a little bit because uh, 
I took a bunch of psychology classes in college, and I don't mean that to sound the way it sounds, okay. but I, but I know, I know, okay. I know, no, but it, it uh, kind of like adolescent psychology was something that really interested me for yeah. a while. So I, so I would read articles about it and and took a bunch of classes in college because I was like, this will be fun. Right. What? Um, <laughs> so I know have a very baseline kind of education on on self harm and in teenagers and and young people, and uh, it just. It, it just feels like a really real portrayal. Like watching her come out of the mental hospital, there's a whole part where she has her her kit of things that she uses to do it. Right. You see one of them is a sharpened like stone ballerina. Yeah. That she clearly like was a gift or was a toy or something. Yeah. You see her really struggling. She to she doesn't want to do it anymore, but then she's triggered by her father getting wasted at her sister's wedding. Right. Um and you That's how she has and control. Just, right. And you just watch and it's just like I don't know. It feels like a, a truthful portrayal of that. Um, and again, where it, it gets shy away from the pain and the annoying, like right. annoying, annoying. Wow, annoying. That's what I meant. The pain and the uh, anger of it, and you know all that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, so yeah, so the 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 potential problematicness of it is connecting those two things, right? Because while I'm sure there are people who self-harm and are also into S&M and that there's a link there, I would be willing to bet that most people that's not true. Right. Or it's not, at least it's not all, like it's certainly not all people. Some people are just into right. pain as a part of pleasure. And right. That's exactly. Fine. Exactly. That's fine. And I then, give you permission <laughs> on DVD Deathmatch. <laughs> and then the other part of it that is potentially problematic is the consent aspect of it. Right. Because. The boss. Right. Employee thing. Exactly. And the thing is that what's beautiful about that is that you, the movie knows, the movie in the script knows that this is problematic. I don't think it had the word for it in 2002 of like consent, even though like the concept of consent has probably always been a thing, but it's way more popular now. And we're looking at it from a lens of, with a lens of now. So like you can't, whatever. But uh, he really struggles with that once he, like he reaches a point where he's like, this, we can't do this. Right. Um, and the movie does a lot of work to make sure that we, the audience, know that they they flirt for a really long time. There's right. a lot of, like, suggestiveness. She initiates a lot of it, um, even though she doesn't quite know what it is that she's into. Right. She just knows that there's something happening there that, that she likes. Right. Um, and again, that can be problematic, but it also is it a, a nice way to portray it, right? Well, it is. I mean, if it was happening to my friend, <laughs> I'd be like, "Hey, this is weird." Yeah. But in the movie, it's great. It's like, like it is. Pro- it is like a problematic thing when a boss and an employee enter into a relationship. It can also has that kind of thing has resulted in many loving marriages. Like it's you know whatever it's it's it all depends on the thing, right? But I think. In this movie specifically, it's like, and the way they portray them, this is not a this is not a judgment on the sex part. This is a judgment on the way these two characters are. Uh huh. They're two fucking weirdos. <laughs> <laughs> They're so fucking weird. These two that it's like the way they come together. You're like, yes, please, like you two get together. You know, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. The note that I took was like. She doesn't explicitly give permission and he doesn't explicitly ask, but it works out so good. Like for this specific case, 
<laughs> you know, the movie is very clear to display that that's something that they both want, but it feels irresponsible to say, because you see, you can see the dumb white boy who is like, well, James Spader just started hitting her. Yeah. So I'm just going to do that. Right. Totally. You know? And it could totally be seen that way by someone who is bad and dumb. And that's, yeah. that's a real thing. Yeah. The, um, the, there's also a scene in the movie where she's hanging out with her sister and her sister's friends or something. And they're like talking about sec- like, Oh, if he made that comment to you, like they're telling a story about someone they know mm-hmm. and Oh, she's suing him for sexual harassment. And right. it's like they, the movie, and this doesn't always excuse things to like hang a lantern on. Oh, we know this is problematic. It right. doesn't make it right. Doesn't always make it right. Yeah. But the movie, this movie does know that like that's a thing mm-hmm. and that this is a weird relationship that it's portraying and that it, it works in this case and maybe not in all. Yeah. Um um sorry, the other thing that I love is that all of the reports of the experience of working on the film since it came out and everything from Maggie, from James Spader, uh, is that like the director and the writer were very like collaborative and that she felt very safe the whole time. Perfect. I was wondering about that. Lovely to hear, you know, and I hope it's still true, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Uh, um, as a movie, like it's wild because it, this to me falls into the zone of like a kind of genre that I I think it's partly that I don't seek it out as much anymore, but it's also not like Secretary wouldn't get a huge release anymore. No, for sure. And it falls into the category of movies for me that are like Waitress, which we talked about. Yeah. And but I'm a cheerleader. Yes. Which is like very low budget movies, uh-huh. but that have a lot of style to them and yes. a lot of technique and a lot of like. Especially like production design, like mm-hmm. that's like a thing in this movie. The oh my god, office. the office looks yeah. incredible. Her bedroom, right, and the colors and the yes. like, way the the film stock and all that stuff. Yeah, there's so much kind of design that goes into it, and it you know you feel it feels not like reality. Yes, you know what I mean. Yeah, I wrote her. Her costuming is wild. Yeah, like she has this. Um, when he when she first meets him, goes into interview for the job of his secretary, she's wearing this like purple rain poncho right. that is like not something anyone would ever wear. It and looks it's like just, little red riding hood, but purple. Yes. Like that's what she looks like. It's like and then uh the uh the dress she wears to her sister's wedding is like very eighties. So it's like this weird thing where you're not totally sure what decade you're in. Yeah. Um which is fun, I think. Yeah, exactly. It feels out of time. It feels yeah. kind of timeless. It feels dreamlike. And another part of it that feels dreamlike is the score is by Angelo Badalamente, uh-huh. who did Twin Peaks oh. and Mulholland Drive and, you know, like like the David Lynch thing. And it has this kind of ethereal... Yeah. Um, like, ethereal, but classic kind of, like, class. I, I can't really just, like... There's something. There's a dreamlike aspect. To yeah, it. dreamlike is good. I keep wanting the word that keeps coming to mind is menacing, but that's too harsh. Yeah. No, but yeah, that feels too harsh. It's like it's like a very thin, like a little itty bitty drop of menacing, mm-hmm. menacing, um, where you're unsettled. Unsettled is better. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's and great. Another thing that I really liked about it watching it this time was 
and we hadn't seen it in a long time. We used to watch it all the time. Yeah. Hadn't seen it in a while. Um, was how kind of astute it is from a character perspective. Like, you know, thinking a lot about stories and characters and all this stuff, it's like, you know, you think about the, and just watching things, you think about the, like, graph of where the characters are. Are they up? Are they down? What led to this? What led yeah. to that? Yeah. And, um, you know, the best shows, like, the, the, my favorite shows, which, like, I, I don't know, heard of it? The Sopranos? Like, <laughs> I, like yeah, I think it's good. I'm very, what a unique perspective. But, but it's, you know, every, it's not always spelled out, but everything comes from character and everything's, oh, he's feeling this way. That's why, way, because of this, that's why he lashes out this way. Yeah. And it never feels cheap or whatever. Yeah. And this does such a good job with that character stuff. It's like, he, you know, watches her, he's cruel to her. He watches the way she responds to that. Like, oh, you need to root through the garbage for me or whatever. Yeah. She does it in such a way that he maybe hasn't encountered too many times before. Yeah. Then he feels himself getting closer to her. Then he's more, you know, then he's nice to her because he's attracted to her. Then he kind of pushes her away and is more cruel to her. And it's like, you know exactly why no one says it, mm-hmm. but you know exactly why everyone's doing everything in every scene. You yeah. Know I mean? Because it feels real. It feels like, Oh, he's, I, he's scared right now. And so yeah. he's being cruel to her, mm-hmm. um, by making her do this thing or by not giving her what she wants, which is this like attention, even if the attention is pain right, and all that stuff. So it's like, it's, it, it's really just feels very astute in that way. The character's, Right, because because you, you also say it's it's him working out, um, reconciling that he likes this. Yeah, um, right, and that he it it is arousing to him to right. do this, and how there's a there's like a moment where you see him write a letter that he doesn't end up giving to her, but writing a note where it's like, we can't do this anymore. I don't know why I'm like this. Like right. you know, it's he's figuring it out too, um, and it's really like cool to watch. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, uh, go ahead. No, I was just going to, uh, the other thing that I was just going to talk about a little bit was like how, um, and maybe I'm giving it too much credit, but I don't think so because everything about this movie feels very purposeful from the score to the costuming, to the sets and all of that stuff. And breaking down that first scene and a lot of the scenes following, but like of the two of them together. So she goes to, apply for this job and she's in this raincoat it's raining she looks kind of like a sloppy mess she's very timid and shy and he's very direct and all this other stuff however that entire scene she's standing and he's sitting Mm -hmm. the whole time and then when they're both sitting he's slouching down he is always lower than she is which is like Something that I notice a lot because I heard one time in some like script writing class or something that like displaying power dynamics in a scene, the person who's standing has more power, which is like maybe not even a thing, but <laughs> sure, it's in my brain forever. Right. So, <laughs> but what's super interesting about that is the the uh, conflict of of her being a mess, but being the person 
quote, in power in the scene and how that's a parallel to this specific kink where it's like everything that I've heard and most of what I've heard is from Dan Savage. So like there's that. Okay. But everything that I've heard about S&M is that if you're doing it right, then the person who is in charge is the sub and not the dom. Okay. If you're doing it right, the sub is in charge and the dom is not. Does that right. make sense? Yes. Like the sub they is the, the sub is driving the right. play. They, they do have control because it's play. Right, right. exactly. Um, and I saw that was really interesting because you're watching the scene where it's like, well, y- your first reaction is, oh, she doesn't know what she's doing. She's timid. She's, she's nervous. Yeah. She's whatever. And he's confident and whatever. But she comes off as more powerful in that scene. Yeah. And I thought that was like, Interesting. It is interesting. No, <laughs> totally. Um, I, it's like, it's a complicated, messy movie, but it is like really deliberate also. And, and um, those two, th- like it complicated in that the characters are complicated, not yeah. in, and messy in that they're people, not uh, messy in like the technique of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's like, and there's moments where it's like menacing, especially post- uh, me too and Harvey Weinstein and all sure. that stuff. Yeah. There's like the part where he's talking to her and he says, Oh, you went on a date. Did you have sex? And like, you know, she giggles a little bit and like all that stuff. And it's like, you know, that, that's like, yay. You know, <laughs> I'm not the, not the police, but that's problematic. Yeah. And then, You're going to have to talk to HR. Right. Exactly. You're going to have to talk. That was my, that was my letterbox review. It just said I'm calling HR. <laughs> wow. Not, quoted my own letterbox review. Wow. New height of coolness. For sure. On the podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great movie. Meg Gyllenhaal is so good in this. So good. Two of my notes are fucking James Spader, man. And then directly below that, also fucking Maggie. <laughs> yeah. Like, just... So good. Like I said, James Spader is so good. I cannot imagine anyone else playing this part right down to the way that he's speaking. His voice and his tone are like hypnotic. Yeah. Every time he's speaking. I forgot that he was Ultron. I don't know. Like you just talked about his voice. I was like, why do I, there's some movie where he, his voice is like big. And I was like, Oh, age of Ultron. Oh, Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, and Maggie, it's like, it's like, potentially there's another actress who could play that part, I guess, but she is incredible. Again, everything from like the way she carries her body in it. And, and it's just beautiful. Uh, fun, not so fun fact. That part of Lee was originally meant to be played by Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, okay. Well, I'm glad I'm, but that, that, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm not going (laughs) to, um, uh, but you know, uh, uh, I was thinking about that. I was thinking like who was big in 99 or 2002, sorry. And who like, like what, like because it feels like no one else could play these roles. Right. But then you start to think about what if they had cast like this person? Yeah. Alec Baldwin and Katie Holmes. And you're like, what? You know what I mean? No, no, like, uh, no disrespect, but oof, boof. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman and America Ferreira in Secretary. <laughs> America Ferreira, yikes! Well, uh, Philip age, Seymour Hoffman, yes. The age works out, but just because Philip Seymour Hoffman do anything, please. Oh my God, Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. would have been anyway. But Phil James Spader is incredible. Um, um, oh, go ahead. 
No, I no, I don't know anything. Oh, so two more things that I have. One, there's a scene where she is uh, masturbating and fantasizing about him, and there's this weird like CGI. There's a whole thing with orchids in in the movie. There's a weird like CGI flower thing happening mm-hmm. where it's like she's in front of a green screen essentially, mm-hmm. um, and it the the way the scene is and the music that's happening is literally the same scene as in get over it. There's like a scene where he's hallucinating. It is the same scene. (laughs) Like it's the same scene. Oh yeah. That's funny. Right. (laughs) Two wildly different films. You mean get over it from episode 75? I do. The very same, the very same. But, uh, like it's like that music and it's the same thing. It's so weird. Um, the other note I have, which is really just a little tiny fun fact, is that there's a song that plays a slight spoiler alert for the end of the film, although I'll talk around it as much as I can. There's a song that plays at the end yeah. of the film. Um, uh, and the lyrics in the original song were, what a fool am I to fall in love? Okay. But the director did not want to suggest that Lee was a fool for falling in love with this man. Okay. So he asked the artist to re-record the song and the artist did to, uh, what grace have I to fall in love? Okay. Right. It's a little weird, weird. but it's like so specific and kind of, I think it's cool that, I mean, again, I I wasn't there. I don't know exactly what happened, but it is cool if it played out as it was suggested on IMDb that the director was like, I need this song. I need it to be this song. What can we do about this one lyric that doesn't mesh with what I want to portray? Right. And the artist just going like, yeah, I dig it. Let me re-record it for you. That is cool. I hope she got paid. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I'm trying to think of anything else I have. It's a wild movie and very, I would say very like, not formative cause I, but like just, influential yeah when, when you see it when you're 20 or whatever for you know sure what I mean? and you're yeah. like oh okay oh okay uh i don't know what, yeah what that means definitely <laughs> well no but like definitely recommend it if you haven't seen it yeah um oh it had okay two more notes two more notes i was the, this the climax of this movie the like climax for lack of a better word um <laughs> i Remembered it, and then I was like, realized I was confusing it with a movie that has a very similar climax. Okay. And I don't want to give it away, like what happens or anything, uh-huh. but I want to say it, and I want you to know if you know what what I'm talking about in terms of just like the what's happening in the climax of the movie. Okay. The Zach Braff movie, The Last Kiss. This, they have the same like thing that's happening in the end of the movie. That the one character oh, is doing yes, yes. to win over the other character. Yeah, yeah. And I realized I was conflating those two movies in my head for the ending. And that is very funny. Those yeah. are two very different movies. Very different. No Did one, we do The Last Kiss on the no, podcast I already? we own it. but We definitely own it. I was going to say no one's spanking anyone in The Last Kiss, but I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. The other thing is, oh, two more things, sorry. So it was a total of three things. Great. Um, <laughs> I wrote down, I think I've decided that the thing in the final shot of a movie, spoiler alert, when the main character looks at the camera, <laughs> like he's like looking off in the distance and then 
suddenly, oh no, they're looking right at the camera. Breaks the fourth wall. I believe I've decided that's my least favorite thing. It's not good. <laughs> I it's fucking not good. hate it. I hate it so much. Like, it feels like, okay, well, whoa. It feels like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, it feels like a, um, it always reminds me, and I don't even know if this happens in uh, this movie, but it always reminds me of the end of I, Tanya, where they kind of go like, oh. and you're also complicit. And yeah. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, um, yeah, the end of this one was very, it felt very, I don't think this was the the goal, but it did give a little bit of like, like, what are you watching vibe? Right, exactly. And, like, and, well, and also like, like, fuck. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing is I was like trying to, I was looking up the cast. I was like, oh, please, the mom. Oh, Leslie Ann Warren. That's a person who like I've seen in things. What have I seen her in recently? Clue. Clue. I never put it together. Miss Scarlet. Miss Scarlet. Yeah. Like it's, I never put that together. What a great actress. Amazing. Like, she's just a killer in this. Like, she's so, so good. good. In this. She, as the mom who's just, like, spaced out because her life is hell. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, something to something that it has in common with Blast from the Past. Yeah. But also, like, it's, it's different in that it's like she's, uh, you know, she doesn't have a ton of scenes, but she's just so, she loves her daughter mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. And doesn't know what to do to exactly. help her. Yeah, it's a and very is different trying thing. Trying so desperately to help her. Exactly. Um, yeah. 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 But she was great. Yeah. And I, but I really, I literally didn't even realize that was the same actress. Yeah, so, man. And she's great. She's so great. All right. Awesome. Is it available? You can watch Secretary right now on Tubi, on Mubi, <laughs> on Flex. And on freebie. Jesus. Which, what? I didn't know Mubi was a thing. Yeah. Tubi, Mubi, Flex, and Freebie. Those oh are my, my favorite God. hobbits, by the way. In Lord <laughs> of the Rings. I love them all. Um, uh, Tubi, are they the black ones? Tubi, Mubi, Tubi, <laughs> Flex, and Freebie. Free, I think those are all free ones. A Tubi can't get moved again. <laughs> <laughs> hey. If you don't know who the movie is, <laughs> you're the movie. You're the movie. <laughs> if you're looking at your group of friends, you're looking at the table, and you don't know who the movie and is, you're not sure who the movie is. You're the movie. You're the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay. Oh no. Uh, so here we are. There's that. I think we get rid of blast from the past, right? I I guess so. I I'm slightly reluctant. Only because I did have a lot of fun watching Blast from the Past. What's on Hulu? It is on Hulu. Yeah, I guess. I guess. I guess we get rid of it. We're not getting rid of Secretary, that's for sure. That's like a cinematic uh, masterpiece. A masterpiece. But uh, I'm weirdly reluctant to get rid of Blast from the Past. But I guess you're right. It's on Hulu. And I'm not going to like... I'm not like, ooh, I want to watch it again right now. I just like yeah. had way more fun watching it than I thought I would. So I was like, oh. I had fun for a while. And then I was <laughs> and then and you then, were done. And then I was done having fun. You were done with fun. Still going on for twenty more minutes. All right. Well, blast from the past. We're blasting you right out of this house. We're blasting Thank you, you from the present. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your service. And you have no future no. in our collection. Uh y'all. So this episode is coming out on, wait for it. The 22nd. I said wait for it. Okay. This episode is coming out on the 22nd. 
And then we'll have a lovely little mini-sode for you on the 29th of September, which means that our next pick is our first pick of Spooky Month. Spooky Month. It's Spooky Month time. Ready or not, here it is. Ready or not, here we come. Um, For anyone who might have just started listening with this episode, which, wow, hi, hello, welcome. Hello. Uh, For the month of October, we narrow our list of 1,321 DVDs down to just the horror films. 209. 209 horror films that we have, um, and we choose from those, so that the month of October is not but spooky movies. Spooky. Let's do it. So, uh, right. we're going to do that right now. We're going we're gonna to pick our next uh, matchup. Hey, Siri. Uh-huh. Pick a number between 1 and 209. A random number between 1 and 209 is 77. Ooh. From 1997. Uh-huh. The Game. Oh. Which I count as a horror movie. But sure. But is definitely more of a thriller. You've been trying to get me to watch The Game for, like, years. Did I never make you watch The Game? No, we just never got there. Oh, Baby, <laughs> let's go. Let's fucking go. <laughs> I fucking love the game. Uh, you do. You really do. Oh, I'm so pumped. <laughs> if you're going to watch it, you're going to be like, this is so not a horror movie. <laughs> well, if it's like thriller. It's a thriller and there's a scary clown in it. Okay. So. We'll take it. All right. Let's see what's going up against it. Hey, Siri. Mm-hmm. Pick a number between one and 209. A random number between 1 and 209 is 184. 184 from 2007. Okay. Sweeney Todd, (gasps) the demon barber of Fleet Street. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, that is wonderful. That's great. That is wonderful. Oh, I haven't watched it in so long. It's... It's going to be great. We just bought tickets for the Broadway show. We did. I'm so excited. Wow. We have not watched it since the Johnny Depp of it all. So that'll that's be interesting. true. That is true. Be interesting. Well, we'll see. Oh, that's a great matchup. That's a great unconventional first death match of Spooky Month matchup. It's a great matchup. That will I be super fun. can't wait to watch both of those movies. Neither of which I would say is like, oh, let's watch a horror movie tonight. <laughs> hey, we'll see. I'll be the judge of that with okay. the game. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I love the game so much. <laughs> All right. Listen, thank you so much for listening, especially if you got this far. We're DVD Deathmatch in all the places. We got the internet. We got Twitter. We got the Gmail. We got the World Wide Web. And I hope that you are enjoying the beginning of fall. You're getting cozy. You're getting your PSLs, if that's what you're into. And if you're not, that's okay. Don't yuck my yum. Uh, and uh, we love you guys. Yep. Come back in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And see who survives. <gasps> DVD, DVD Deathmatch. Death Great, 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 great,